Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. But one of the things that we found made paying off all of our debts 15 years into marriage, one of the things that made that possible was we decided that we would build our financial lives off biblical principles, not cultural expectations. Off biblical principles, not cultural expectations. So when we got married, we did what everybody did. We got engaged and we got a ring. Now, we were in the South at the time and we were in a place where a lot of people were getting married and a lot of people were getting engaged. And so this, there was, this was a time of not having social media. So if you made the announcement, it was an actual announcement in front of people. So when we made, when we, when, you know, other people were making their announcement, what would happen is they would say, we got engaged. And then they would say, you got engaged. And the woman would say, I got engaged. And they would say, girl, let me see the ring. So then the woman would be like, blah. And then her friends looked like electric shock went through them. They were just like, oh, girl, this is amazing. This is exciting. So then we were getting married and we were broke. And so the question is, are we gonna go into heavy amounts of debt for an engagement ring? And does the amount, the size of the ring, is the size of the ring an indication of how much I actually love you, right? So these are all cultural expectations, right? So we had to have this conversation. It was a, it was a, hard, it was a hard conversation. But finally, we concluded, no, we are just going to get, uh, you know, all, they have all these different cuts, trillion cuts. We got the humble cut. Amen. We got, we got, we got the, the, the uh, frugal cut. So, so we had this, like, very humble ring, right? So my wife, she goes, I got engaged. And all her friends go, oh, my gosh, let me see the ring. And I was right there. So she goes like this. And literally, they were like, okay, okay. <laughs> That's good, girl. Y'all are making wise choices. We were embarrassed. We were embarrassed. But we lived by our real budget, not the imaginary one. And we lived and we built our marriage off biblical principles, not cultural expectations. So you all are all fighting that battle now. Right now in this room, each of you most likely have somewhere around five figures of debt or six figures of debt, individually in this room, right? And so the reality is, and as couples, that's even more probably if you've been to school and all that. So you're all fighting debt, but it becomes harder when you add exorbitant consumer debt, unnecessary consumer debt. So when we say that we are fighting that, that's something that we all want to do. And we believe that we can get to a healthier place financially if we build on the right principles. That's what this series has been about, and I want that for you. Uh, What we've said so far in terms of the principles that we've said is that, first, if you're going to be able to build your life on strong financial principles, the first thing you have to do is you have to literally know what's in there. You've got to start tracking your money. You've got to look at what's in there so that you can know your financial habits. Some of you may have downloaded some apps. Some of you finally found the password to your bank, and so you can actually look at the ledger. Some of you just decided, you know, I'm going to start to not make some of these impulsive decisions through our series. 
But my prayer is that you are following your money. The second thing we've said is that if God has given you all the money, then he should be honored in all the money. That, that giving a 10% gift to the church is, is actually something that, that's an element of honoring God. But truly honoring God is all your financial decisions are an indication of what you believe about God. And then thirdly, we said fight to stay out of debt, which I mentioned before. It is a battle. It is a battle not to find yourself falling into the temptation to get things that everyone is doing. It's a battle to not fall into FOMO fear of missing out of what everyone else is doing. And so today we're going to talk about our, our last principle, number four, our fourth principle, follow a plan, or you could say follow a prioritized plan, plan but follow a plan, follow a plan. There are five things that are most likely going to happen with your money. Five things that are gonna most likely happen with your money. I'm gonna tell you in a second why this is most likely gonna happen. You are gonna spend it, you're gonna repay debts, you're gonna pay taxes, you're gonna save it, you're gonna give it. You're gonna spend it, you're gonna repay debts, you're gonna pay taxes, you're gonna save it, and you're gonna give it. And when I say give it, you're gonna to give to God and others. Now the reason why I know this is gonna happen because each of these things are most likely tied to some kind of system. You're gonna spend your money because you have habits, you have things that you just do, you have places you go, you have things you presume you need. You are gonna pay your debts because there's some, the, the, the credit card company or the places that you are indebted to, they have said you, there is a system that you are going to pay us back by, okay? They didn't just say here and then when, whenever you can. They, they actually have a timed system, scheduled system for amounts and all that, right? Then your taxes, this, 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 this place called the Internal Revenue Service, they have a plan for that money. And then some of you have a 401k, some of you say, but some of you have a 401k, that's not even up to you, that is actually taken from you. There is a system tied to that. So there's a system with your habits, there's a system with your debts, there's a system with your taxes, there's a system with your savings, but then when it comes to giving, we get random leftovers, right? It's whatever I have left from all the systems I have already embedded into my finances. And so the problem with that kind of giving to the Lord or giving in general is that when we want God to get the leftovers of our finances, but we don't want to be left out of all of his blessings. We, we want God to give full attention to our financial situation. In other words, we will give God leftovers, and that does not stop us from saying, God, I want you heavily involved with my financial situation. You've got to know about my rent. You've got to know about you know, my school loans. You've got to know about all these things. You are in a, I'm in an emergency, and I need you to be aware of this. We want God to have priority, us to have priority with God when we are in an emergency, but he does not have priority in our finances. And our financial priorities represent an open or shut door to God relationally. So this is what I want, to, want you to understand. Our finances are an indication of relationship. It's an indication of our hearts and our priorities because whatever we put first, whatever we put first, whatever we say I have to put money towards this, it is an indication of what we are prioritizing. First thing first. And for many of us, the first thing is making payments or getting whatever we want. 
And so what I want to do today is I want to look at several texts that, that deal with the issue of our financial priorities and how God views when a community of his people have their priorities out of order. The book is Malachi. The people are Israel. And this is about 400 B.C. Malachi writes a scathing letter to God's people. And he's writing this letter because there was a system. It was a sacrificial system. And so whenever the people sinned, God would require a sacrifice. It was an indication that you would not have to deal with that shame or that guilt, but that feeling you had, that would get taken out on an animal. And God wanted that animal to be unblemished. In other words, he wanted to be your best. He wanted you to be able to sacrifice your best in this sacrificial system. And what would end up happening is they were actually not giving their best animals. They were giving their diseased, blind animals. In other words, the animal, so their animals, what they would do is they would use them for agriculture. They would use them for crops or they would eat them or they would sell them. But the ones, so they would give God the leftover animals, but they wanted God to be first in their lives. And so in Malachi 1.8, God is really writing through Malachi. He says, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those who are lame, lame or sick, is that not evil? Present, present that to your governor. And what he's actually saying is, if the governor actually asked you for your best, you would never give him that. But when I ask you for your best, you give me the blind, the lame, the sick. You give me your leftovers. And so what God does is, he says to them in a rebuke in Malachi 3 and 7, from the last days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and not kept them. So I want you to hear this. Before he talks about money, he talks about them. He says, return to me. Come back to me. Reorder your priorities where I am first in your life. He says, return to me and I will return to you. And they says, how shall we return? Just one thing principle-wise, understand that God is a pursuer. We, we sung about that, how he chases us down. But one of the things the Bible says is if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. He will pursue you. But there comes a point where he wants to call you into a relationship. And if I call your name, the hope is that you turn around. And if I keep calling your name and you never turn around, even though you might hear me, you might feel my presence, our connection will always have some level of disconnect. You must turn around. And what he's saying, he's calling them to repentance, to turn around, to turn back to me. You hear me, we're related, we're connected, but we're in relationship, but you haven't turned around. And so the imagery here is, I want you to start giving your best. I don't want your leftovers anymore. I wanna be priority. And you're wondering about our relationship while you give me your second and third best. And so they're confused. This is the thing. They're giving, but they're not giving their best. And they're confused about their relationship. So God then gives a very detailed account of the problem. Verse 8, he says, will man rob God? A scathing rebuke. He says, yet you are robbing me. So the imagery he's saying is, could you even imagine someone robbing God? He says, you, you couldn't even imagine that. But he says, but, you're, but, but now, since that's shocking to you, then think about this. You're actually robbing me. He says, you're robbing me. Says, How can we rob God? He says, well, here's the deal. In your tithes and contributions. 
We're going to talk about that in a second. He says, verse 9, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Understand that when he says that you are cursed, he is saying that you are moving away from me and you are experiencing the consequences of being distant from me in relationship. Understand this, there's a greater principle, an 80,000 foot view that we have to take on this message that goes beyond giving and finances. It actually has to do with all your relationship with God. It goes like this, obedience brings blessing and disobedience brings cursing over your life. You see, whenever you follow God, you get the benefits of his blessing. But whenever you move away from God, it is cursing. You are removing God's hand from your life. Now, why were these people confused? Here's why they were confused. Listen, because they were partially obedient. And God viewed partial obedience as full rebellion. You see, when, <clears throat> when we, <clears throat> we want obedience, but we still want fleshly benefits. We want to be able to do what we want and do what God says at the same time. We want to be half holy yet fully blessed. And so because of that, we do things that, yes, it, it, it's, it honors God but we know we are not giving our best to honor God. So many of you are not married in this room. And yet, in your relationships, so many of you want to be married or you want to be in relationship. One of the best ways, if you are in a relationship, is to do relationships God's way. Because if you do relationships God's way, you get his blessing. But I have met with so many of you, and you want to do relationships your way, but you want God's blessing too. So if you are in a relationship right now, certainly you would adhere to God's word about sex, right? But here's the truth. The truth is many of us, when it comes to sex, we will not have sex, but we'll do everything we can do up until the point of calling it sex. We'll have diet sex, Costco sex, huh? No, I'm just saying, you know what I'm talking about. We'll do everything, we'll do everything we can do to not call it sex. And all I'm saying, listen, all I'm saying is we want to do what we want and we also want God's favor and blessing. So here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying... And, and listen, I'm not, if, if you've made a mistake in that category, that's, I, I get that. I'm talking about, do, are, are you agreeing with God about what he says about every area of your life? I'm not asking if you're fully obedient. I already know you're not. I'm asking, are you in agreement that's the right direction? And are you fighting for obedience? Because not all God's children are fighting, Amen. So, do you understand what I'm trying to say? We're not all fighting. Some of y'all, when, if you fall, you grieve. I, I'm like, praise God you're grieving because you know you're going in the wrong direction. But I can't tell you how many times people think they, they want to deal lightly with this area. But I'm not talking, I know sex, church, and, but here's, every area of your life should be submitted fully to God. 
every area. And I use that just as an example. And I say this to you. Give your best to God. And this is what he says in Malachi 3 and 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And I want you to understand the phrase full tithe. In the imagery there, the Old Testament law required multiple tithes. And that multiple tithes really ended up being about 23% of their income. One was for the Levites. The other was for the temple. And the third tithe was for the poor. And so all of these tithes were an indication of them being able to give a percentage of their income so that God could do what he wanted to do when it comes to blessing them and when it came to blessing the community. God had a system in place. You would give a certain amount so that the the community there, God's community, could do what it's called to do. But instead of giving their best, they were giving partial. And they couldn't understand. They're like, I'm giving you partially of what I have. Why aren't you giving me fully of your relationship? Why don't I have full blessing? So he says, bring the full tithe. They should have already been doing this by faith. They should have already been trusting God by faith. But since they weren't, here's what the Bible says. In Malachi 3.10, he goes on to say, And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. What the Bible says, what the Lord says is, since you can't do it by faith, then do it by sight. Since you don't trust, then why don't you test? In other words, he says, you don't, you don't believe me, so try me. He says, I prom- this, this is the, the Lord. He says, I promise you, if you start giving sacrificially to me, sacrificially, I will start giving my blessing abundantly to you. And he says that, I promise you. He says, no, no, when he says a test, he's saying a demonstration. I will demonstrate my hand in your life in a way that you've never experienced it when you put me to the test. Now, I want you to understand, this is not some kind of name and claim it. Like, if you do this, you are going to get a promotion. I hope you do, praise God. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you're obedient in any area of your life, you experience the blessing and the favor of God. And this is just another area to experience blessing. So if you get a financial increase, praise God. But you might get an increase of peace, and that will be just as good, if not even more. Because I know some of you with a full budget, but no peace, right? So you want God's blessing over your life. If you want God's blessing, put him to the test. He says, I guarantee that I will show up. So understand, God is confident in his design. He says, if you do it my way, that way will be better. God is confident he has put together and constructed a life that will be a blessing for you. God is confident that when you put him first in your relationships, in your finances, when you put him first in your mind, your your, your mind will be better. When you put him first in your heart, your heart will be better. When you put him first in your budget, your budget will be better. He says, just put me first. Not Not because it's some kind of trick. It's not some kind of magic trick. God has designed life to be first. 
by illustration, you know, uh, fall is coming up, amen? Soon and very soon. And we're going to start getting our jackets out, amen? And uh, we get our jackets. This, this jacket is brought to you by Goodfellow, amen? <laughs> Y'all know Goodfellow? Is that, okay, well, I'm broke, so it's probably, probably why y'all don't know it. When Goodfellow made this jacket, they made it with a design in mind. You know how they made it? They made it to look like this, right? Does this look fresh? Say yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, this look fresh. This button is first. This button is second. This button is third. This button is fourth. But what if I put something that's not meant to be first that's not first? So what if I put this here? And what if I put this here? And what if I put, hola, 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 hola. What if I put this here? Yeah. What if I rock like this? This is what some of y'all finances look like right now. And there are other areas of your life that look like this right now. Because they're out of order and you walk it up in places like AO and God's like, no. Okay. So, so what, we have, what do we have to do? We have to put first things first. Say that with me. First things first. First things first. Not second thing first. Not third thing first. First things first. And when you put first things first, you start operating in the God who made it first in the first place. And you start operating by his design. God is not trying to scare you, though, with sin. He's trying to, he's trying to woo you with blessing. You'll, you'll never change. You'll never change if you just are overwhelmed by the ugliness of sin, but you don't see the beautiness of holiness. See, God wants to give you a better life. He's not trying to scare you. He just literally wants you to have a better life. He wants you to have the life he's designed for you. It, but the life he's designed comes with obedience. It's not a scare tactic. It's actually a father who loves you. In Matthew 6, we dealt with this earlier in the series. In Matthew 6, I just want you to see giving is, is something that's meant to bless you. It's not to pay some father in the sky. It's to help you on earth. Matthew 6, if you remember, Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. So he says, you, your, your heavenly Father. Now, I want you to notice in verse 32, he says, the Gentiles seek after all these things. When he says the Gentiles seek after all these things, he's saying, He's not saying the Gentiles were irreligious. The Gentiles were very religious. If they had a crop they wanted to see blessed, they would pay homage to the crop god, the, the Baals and the Asherahs. They would sacrifice to them. But here's the thing. They would sacrifice to their gods, and they would hope that their god had their attention, that, he, they, that they had his attention or her attention. And so if they wanted to be fertile, they would pray to the fertility god. If they were hungry, they would pray to another God. And so he says, look at the Gentiles. They're, they're, they're being religious, but yet they're still anxious. And he says, you look like them. 
Whenever you get in a crunch, all you have is anxiety, wondering what shall we eat? What shall we wear? He says, you look like them. In other words, he's saying, you are saved spiritually, but emotionally, you look just like them. And what he's saying ultimately is when we put God first, we present to ourselves an opportunity to believe that God cares and that he knows. Because this is what he says. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. They're seeking. They're rushing around. God, oh, please, I hope, you, I hope you see me. I hope you see what I'm praying. I hope you see what I'm giving. He says, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Verse 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And here's what he's saying. If you put God first, you also get as a benefit of blessing the confidence of knowing that he knows what you're going through, the confidence of his care. You see, we all will go, everybody in Brooklyn will go through a moment where they're wondering about rent or they're wondering about food or they're wondering about finances. Everybody will go through that. But as believers, when, when I see my budget and I'm trying to piece things together, there's one thing to look at that, but there's another thing to know in my heart. I know he knows. I know he knows. I know he knows my kids want shoes for school. I know he knows. I, I know he knows that right now I feel I should be getting a promotion, but no one is noticing me. I know he knows. I know he knows. And that's what he's saying. Your heavenly father knows. And it's not that you know that he knows. It's the confidence of knowing that when I'm in doubt, I know I'm still cared for. Even though it seems like I'm financially crumbling. I know he knows. And it is that kind of God confidence. He says, when you put him first, because when he said earlier about you can't serve two masters, when you're not seeing money come through, you've made money, you've made getting, you've made FOMO your priorities, and it is running you rampant and it is creating anxiety in you. God says, now put me first. And I love how he calls food, clothing, and shelter things as if to say, that's nothing for me. Let me take care of you. But I must get your attention. I must be considered a priority. So what we wanna do is we wanna create a prioritized plan with our finances. We wanna create a system so that we know, I'm not giving you leftovers, God, I'm putting you first before and above all things. Because I wouldn't want you second. And so the phrasing that you've often, some of you have heard, the framework that we often talk about is give, save, spend. It's just a framework. It's a plan. It's saying, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give to God off top. And then I'm going to try to save so that I can have some money laid up for emergencies in my family. 
and then I'm going to spend, and I'm going to be able to pay off my debts and my taxes. Now, you may not be able to get to that framework right now, but that is the place to try to get to, to have a plan and where you put God first in your finances. They say, the first thing I'm going to do, it's, it's no question, I'm going to give to God first. It's not a question. Because here's the deal. When he says, seek the kingdom, what he's saying is, put my kingdom before your kingdom. Before you do anything else with that money, when that money hits your account, the first thing I'm going to do is honor God and I'm going to give to him a percentage. Now, that percentage may be different for everyone, but we encourage people to consider tithing. Now, tithing is not believed is a great starting point to be able to give sacrificially. And when you give sacrificially, it's based upon you and the Lord. It's based upon what you can give. So we are not holding you to a certain number. But it is important that you have a number that you're thinking about in regards to your finances and to where you are at. You know, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus, this is a, this is a crazy story. Jesus is watching people in a temple give money. And as they're giving money, Jesus is there with the disciples. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, <clears throat> it says he sat down opposite the treasury. This is where they give money. And he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Watch this. Many rich people put in large sums. Now, in the treasury box, the large sums would make a lot of money. So there would be all this clinging and clanging when people put money in. And they would make a big show of it because they were giving more than everybody else. But in verse 42, it says, and a poor widow came and put into small, two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Verse 44, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty. She has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. We are in no way telling you, give and tithe to the point where you can't live off it. What we're saying and what Jesus is saying is, think about it. These people gave more, but they gave not in proportion to what they could have given. They're rich, so they gave a lot of money, but they could have given a lot more. She gave sacrificially. And in my eyes, she gave more than the rest of them. One of the things that this tells us is that God notices what we give. But the other thing is God knows our budget just as much as we do. And he knows when it's sacrificial or when it's just the overflow of a good week or a good month or a good promotion. And so... You give what you feel like you can give. But God knows your budget. In fact, you can even say, I know he knows. I know he knows how much I can give and how much I cannot give. But we think 10%, a tithe, is a good starting point to think sacrificially. It challenges you and it goes off the top first. And this is not so that the church can keep the lights on. This is so that money has less of you. 
and God has more of you. And certainly, when you give to the church, we can do more things. Yes, we want to do more events. Yes, we want to do things to reach people. Yes, that's absolutely a dynamic. But we are doing okay. And God is still our provider. The church has never been our provider. God has always been our provider. But this is truly something for you, not something from you. And so my my encouragement is for you to think through that framework, give, save, spend, as a framework. You can go, you can go onto the Bridge Church app, or you can go to our website, and you can actually build recurring giving. Now, I want to encourage some of you. Some of you are going to walk away and be like, I'm going to give more. I encourage you to set up recurring giving. Why? Because automation beats determination. Amen? If you just build it in and just know that it's going to go, what I'm trying to tell you is what I said before, everything has a system. And sometimes you just need a system that works, not you thinking about what you could do this month, but a system that's going to move without you having to wonder. And so lastly, what we want to encourage you here today, we want to challenge some of you to go on a journey of giving, a journey that many of you probably have never been on or some of you have never been on, of giving sacrificially. So we talk about this 90-day tithe challenge. And really, that tithe challenge is built out of what he says in Malachi. Test me in this. Just see. And so what we're saying is, for 90 days, build out in your budget how you can give sacrificially and we will walk with you through that process. Uh, so we have, uh, if you text the number 90 to 55444, text the number 90 to 55444, you will get an email sent back to you from Pastor Josh. And he will kind of walk you through, he'll begin to walk you through giving sacrificially. You'll be able to email him with questions. He won't probably be able to meet with you, but you can email him questions because some of you are wondering, how do I begin and where do I begin? But I really want to encourage you to text 90 to 55444 so that you can begin to reimagine your budget so that you can be more obedient in this area. Oh, I see those texts coming in. Praise God. For some reason, my, my iPad has never got the, uh, all right, praise the Lord. Keep them coming. This is like a, this is like a financial altar call. Praise God. <laughs> I, see, I see that text. Okay, so um, this is not about us. This is about you and the Lord. And you want help, and we want to help you. What we've said is follow the money. Honor God. Fight to stay out of debt. Follow a plan. You need to follow that plan. Give, save, spend so that you can have the confidence of knowing. I know he knows your life will be fuller and you'll experience more of the blessing of God and you'll be a part of what God is doing in our midst. Continue to text in. Continue to text in so that God can walk with you. We can walk with you through this process. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your hand during this time. We ask that you would just continue to bless us and Use this time for your glory. We thank you for your mercy over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wonder if you'd stand with me. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at BridgeChurchNYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 1030 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.